Jurassic Park for a minute while we're discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute of Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And we're back after a little bit of a spell to uh, bring you Minute 68 of Jurassic Park 3. David, it's been a couple of weeks. I've been crook with the flu and just sort of getting over that now, so I might get a little bit croaky during the record. And we are climbing out of winter here, so hopefully the days get a bit warmer. Uh, You've been busy too. You were bonfiring last week. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, me and my dad been. Uh, we had two giant trees in our yard that were great, beautiful uh, shade trees. And sadly, they died over the winter. We had lots of ice storms over last winter. <clears throat> and so we had to uh, just basically chop them down, chop them up. And now we got like three, four years worth of wood outside. <laughs> but yeah. You being in Australia, me being in Chicago, we have a hard enough time lining up our schedules, and we just happen to both be busy over our weekends. Yeah, and that, that happens. We normally, we've been trying to uh, get episodes record uh, ahead of time, just if we know there's going to be issues coming up with scheduling, but this time it's just, I couldn't record because I couldn't talk, and <laughs> and you're, you're lighting, lighting things on fire, so. <laughs> <laughs> me chief, one big fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh i suppose briefly um today you attended a convention locally and i just seen a fantastic photo of a uh cosplay between john hammond and michael myers which <laughs> was awesome did you see yeah, any other I, I, theme I, stuff there uh actually i mean yes they did i uh they had i'm not sure if it was the guy whose booth he was selling it but they had um like ID badges and tour vehicle badges, so I bought a the tour vehicle number five badge for my car. Oh, lovely! But yeah, I I met the I'm uh, I met a true necromancer over today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, it was a it was a it was mostly a horror convention, so it was kind of interesting seeing him there. Yep. Of course, I was I was there dressed up as the Rob Zombie uh, 2000 remake of halloween michael myers and i just happened to see the guy passing by me i'm like hey hey, you i gotta take a picture with you Hmm. yeah that's definitely maybe a you see the sometimes you see the nedry cosplayers with the the spit on them or or arnold missing an arm or something like more Mm -hmm. horrific sort of stuff like that but just having john hammond and his cane and hat walking walking around a horror convention well i suppose he did create a lot of horror now across (laughs) across five five going into six films so uh, I mean, we also got to admit, that, I mean, the first two books were very, very strong in the horror themes, you know? Mm. Yeah, it'd be funny if you had little little compies hanging off him. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be a select few that actually understood that reference and, yeah, realized it was from the, he's deaf in the novel, but, um, ah, very good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was actually a pretty good cosplay. He had the white shirt, the hat, and the cane. And the white pants and all that, and uh, he was just walking around. Uh, he actually even grew out his beard, and I'm not, I, I'm not sure if it was an older gentleman or if he just happened to be uh, happened to dye his beard white. But yeah, it was actually a pretty good cosplay. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest issues with a Hammond cosplay is just getting that beard right. Um, yeah, not being too big, having it sort of close close cut. Oh no, yeah, this was actually really closely cut. It looked real nice. Hmm. Then there's there's me in the picture uh, with the mask on, scowling, and it's got the rot lines all over it and the nasty, grime, grimy coveralls. 
<laughs> oh, that was you in the Michael Myers outfit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I, that was that was me doing the. Uh, I, I it was my first horror convention, so I wanted to dress up for it. Oh, very nice. I have to put that photo up in the Facebook page when this episode goes up on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep. Lovely. Stick to the plan. Head to the coast. You're not going to look for Dr. Grant? Going to the coast was Alan's idea. If he's alive, that's where he's headed. I agree. Before we get into 68, David, over on Jurassic-pedia.com, I thought it was fitting for the, you know, the end of the uh, this shot of floating down the river. Um, we got the article titled titled Dinosaur Riverside Landscape or the uh, beauty shot from Missile Sauna mm-hmm. um, some that's been on the uh, the site for a little while now but a little bit of a write up of uh, the Kirby's here passing this this glorious and uh, wonderful area with all the uh, herbivores grazing on it yeah this is one of those articles that I just went in and uh, at some point just really expanded and added a, fo- added a photo and all that stuff it's not really a lot to say but you can actually see um in this photo that I added to the article, the white bird in the corner, <laughs> in the upper left corner of it. I did say that. <laughs> this is the same photo I cropped for the white bird, uh, for the white bird article and, and added, because it's basically like the best, one of the uh, best shots we get of that white bir- little white bird. Yeah, you can see the sort of little ones behind the back of the brachiosaur too, off in the distance, sort of silhouetted by the... Uh by the mountain but it's just fantastic like this this is a real spot this is on one of the ranches in Kauai <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to go there but it'd be a great place to visit just imagining mm-hmm. this Jurassic Valley yeah this was the uh, same valley as uh, the Brachiosaurus scene from the first movie mm. yep and it's just amazing you know, just turn the camera a little bit one way or the other and in this case come down to the, the river that's flowing through the ranch and it looks similar but it looks so different as well like you've got a lot mm-hmm. of those trees those high trees in the background that and you know probably just over behind there somewhere there's a little track that jeep drove down along and the lagoon <laughs> i wonder if this this might even come into the back of that lagoon that the brachiosaurs and that all come out of at the end of that scene too something i do like about this scene though in general is how the crepuscular rays you can you can just see the sun rays peeking through the clouds and it just mm. it's like ah. <laughs> yeah it definitely reminds me of that um that fan art someone done when um Richard Attenborough died and it sort of got Hammond in the visitor center and just the animals and the, the rays coming down through the, the clouds yeah um, it's probably we don't really get this shot in any of the other films too it's sort of unique to this film into this shot here where we get those, those sun streaking rays through the uh, the clouds. Yeah, we don't actually get a, like, like in the Lost World, we get the sun shining through even the um, clouds of dust, but we don't actually get the sun shining through the clouds or anything like this at all in any of the other movies. So, you're, like you said, it's very unique. Hmm. I think the only, the only other thing we sort of get is just the streak of uh, rays coming through the jungle, through foliage, or we've seen it earlier in this film. As, as we're sort of approaching some of that nighttime stuff for late afternoon, I don't know. In Fallen Kingdom too, we get it a few bit, a few times when we're in the jungle and you get the, the sun sort of streaking through the blue's nest and that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the bones will still be there when we get back. It's a great thing about bones; they never run away. All right, ready to get into minute sixty-eight. Yeah. 
As we entered minute 67 of Jurassic Park 3, we had a glorious shot of an Islesaur in a valley and several herbivores grazing by the river. As we open on minute 68, Eric looks at Grant and says, You know something? Billy was right. And Grant just smiles. At the 15 second mark, we cut to the, back to the bank, looking over the boat, as four of the large brachiosaurs lumber over and start dropping their heads down, looking at the new arrivals. At the 24 second mark, we cut to night time, as the boat slowly chugs down the river, Grant standing on the side with his hands on his hips, impatient and looking for danger. At the 31 second mark, we cut to Paul, as he suddenly hears something and kills the motor and steps out of the centre console and tells the others to listen. Almost instantly we hear the familiar jingle of Kirby's Paint and Tile Plus coming from Paul's satellite phone. The barge slowly drifts down river towards a clearing as the ringing gets louder and everyone's tense waiting for the Spinosaur to make its move. At the 52 second mark the boat moves down river far enough that everyone can see inside the clearing and three large steaming piles of crap are sitting on the ground. And as the minute ends, Grant leaps from the boat, yelling, find it before it stops ringing. Paul and Amanda follow, but as she does, Amanda yells back to Eric to stay on the boat. As we continue this week into minute 68, uh, we get that JP theme playing as it's reaching its end, and that male brachiosaur is sort of just walking over and approaching the boat and bringing that big head down for a bit of a closer look. And here we get a real good look at that that more red red color on the uh, mm-hmm. on the top as well. But um, yeah, we see the camera pan up from the uh, characters standing at the basically the feet of the brachiosaurus, and then the zoom in at the head, and then the fade cut. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty good uh, it's actually a pretty good pan because it just shows you the immense scale and mass of these animals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> this little boat floating down the river and. These big animals coming yeah. over nearby on the riverbank. But it's sort of odd here. The lighting is a little bit of an issue here because as you're looking at the brachiosaur, you can see that sun shining down from behind them. Um, and then each time we cut to Eric and Grant in the boat, like there's no sun on them whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, the sun's just kind of feeding there with the heavy blue shadows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we do get a cut to Alan and Eric, and Eric says, you know something, Dr. Grant, Billy was right, which... Grant Grant pretty much acknowledges in the script and the uh, the novel that yeah he couldn't uh, he couldn't hate Billy for wanting to see all this and he sort of deep down is glad he's here to see it again as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just as the scene ends, we get two more heads sort of join the male. We get those other two brachiosaurs that were walking along, sort of all drop their heads down for a closer look, and that's when we transition into nighttime. And it's great. You can hear the insects, insects and the frogs, and just the sound of the jungle at night, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it sounds a lot like I have my window open right now, yeah. <laughs> and I can hear the uh, the insects and the cicadas and the crickets all chirping outside in late summer. I wasn't going to mention it, but it does it does add some nice ambience <laughs> ambience to the background? <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. But we got Grant standing on the side of the boat, and um, they sent a little console lights on as Paul's driving, um, concentrating on the boat as it chugs along, and something gets his attention, and he cuts the engine and says, listen, which, it's odd, he's the only one that hears it. I'm going to I'm gonna say he's probably the oldest one on the boat, mm-hmm. and he's got better hearing than 
Eric Grant and Amanda, but uh, maybe because it's his jingle, he, he's probably heard it the most if it's his satellite phone and that. Mm-hmm. But we, all of a sudden, as he says, listen, we get that ringtone that just suddenly <laughs> comes through really loudly, and it, it does make you wonder how no one else heard it uh, over the sound of the, the boat engines, but uh, Paul and Eric are seated inside, uh, Amanda and Eric are seated inside the cage in the front of the boat, and the cage door is open, resting back on the top of the cage, which is sort of interesting there, it's sort of taking shelter in the cage just in case something happens. I wonder if that was Grant's idea of just... Yeah. You don't need to be out on the boat, just get in there and something happens, we can close the cage door and secure be secure inside. Yeah, but it's interesting, because the shot that we see of, it's basically just a small break in the trees that we see zooming in here at this at, as the, after they clamber into the cage, is, it's I mean, it doesn't even look like it's nearly enough size to be, because the next shot, because then we get a cut back to... Uh, Eric and Amanda, and then we cut back to the scene and we see those are three big piles of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's sort of the maybe just the um, perspective from the water where uh, we're looking sort of more downstream and directly at the bank, and there is a bigger bigger clearing off off the bank, but there's still some trees near the bank's edge. But um, it's sort of interesting because we know from previous times whenever we hear that phone jingle it's a spinosaur and it's a shame there's no mention of it here we do get it later on in the novel that um eric sort of mouths spinosaurus as um as they draw closer and can hear the rigging but as they do slowly drift downstream we we get that phone getting louder and louder as they stand on the side of the boat and there's no attempt to move away paul sort of cuts the engines and just lets the boat sort of glide through the water but they know what happened last time the Spinosaur was there. I don't, I don't think just drifting past quietly is going to save them if, if the animal was here just off screen. Mm. But yeah, as you said, with that, <laughs> we get the, uh, the big steaming piles of crap. And uh, as the minute ends, the sort of boat drifts in and Grant yells to find it before it stops ringing as Paul and Amanda leap from the boat after him. But the boat itself sort of just keeps on floating and eventually comes to rest on the bank, which it's... It's sort of lucky that's the direction they were pointing in when they killed the engines. And mm-hmm. as we get to the script and that later, it's sort of they just jump out of the boat and swim to shore. It's not the boat doesn't actually stop and it just keeps on heading downstream. But it's sort of again, if if the spinosaur was here, they would have drifted straight up to the bank where it would have been using the toilet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and why is there? I'm just curious why there's like three piles and not one big one. Yeah. Like. I mean, I mean, those are big piles anyway. But I mean, is it, is it like a latrine animal, or are are those like? Because they're all steaming piles. They're fresh. <laughs> yeah, they, they are fresh, and so, I mean, like, I mean, did Nash just give them diarrhea, or what? <laughs> yeah, well, well, we can talk more about that next minute because even here we are, a full day afterwards, and just what's left of Nash and would there be anything left of Nash, etc. But um, I'm just trying to think back to Jurassic Park. I'm pretty sure that that big pile of shit wasn't the only one. I, I always kind of felt like that was implied because Jerry Harding says that they're, I mean, we know that they're herd animals from the book. And even if you still didn't read the book, I mean, uh, Nash, I mean, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> Harding <laughs> says that, the herd moves around, comes around the area every six weeks, and I just assumed that was from the herd, you know? Well, I suppose, too, because 
Malcolm does take his glasses off at that real big one, and we pan past that to, or we zoom back past that mm-hmm. one to Sarah at a. Oh, Sarah. <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, to Ellie at the um, the smaller one, which does seem to be more fresher. So yeah, that could be could be the case. But these ones all seem to be fresh here, and as you said, steaming. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe just the metal, <laughs> um, metal and clothing that it ingested may have upset its mm-hmm. stomach a bit. Mm. I mean, we'll talk more about the contents with therein. Next week, because there are a couple issues with what what's there and what's not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and maybe consistency as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, briefly looking at the script and novel comparisons, we get the uh, description in the uh, script that a full moon passes behind clouds, thunder quietly rumbles, and a lightning flickers in the distance, which I just love that setup that, yes, here we are again. Um, third film in... Not so much the halfway point, but we're about to get another storm hit this island, which, again, makes Costa Rica possibly the most storm-ridden place <laughs> in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But we can discuss that in the next couple of minutes when we get to the storm itself. But um, they find another riverbend and suddenly can hear the phone. They all expect the Spinosaur to jump out at them, but as they scan the banks, they don't see anything. And Grant sort of tells them to keep quiet, which... We don't get any of that in the film either. Just no. They just instinctively know it's the spinosaur. Let's just not speak, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and their Paul cuts the engine of the boat. But uh, in the novel, it sort of goes much the same as the script. Only we get a, a sort of ominous sign of the storms coming uh, that night as the barge floated further downstream. The full moon passes behind clouds. Lightning flickers in the distance as thunder quietly rumbles. So basically, just written a little bit uh, differently to what was in the script. Um, mm-hmm. But it does make you wonder. No wonder. No wonder uh, Hammond wanted to build in Orlando, as we are about to get hit by another impending storm. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you take the, um, I don't think it was deleted scenes, but it was implied in uh, behind the scenes, and that I'm pretty sure Colin said as well that prior to that, uh, Rexy Indominus and Blue fight, it did storm rain. <laughs> In mm. on Main Street that night, so mm. I mean, like a like uh like you can see in the movie, there's like big puddles and stuff everywhere, and the weird thing is, is that it's kind of like a hazy overcast when we first see the uh when we first see the stu- uh or when we last leave the daytime, but then when the first the first time we get we get like a time jump. It's like there's a scene missing, you know? And then we get the nighttime and there's water puddles and stuff everywhere. Yeah. Is, is there not, um... Does lightning not flicker when they're fighting? I, I can't recall if there's lightning in the background or not. No, no it's not no. actually raining. No. I do no. remember somebody did make a rain edit. Okay. I might be just confusing that with the Indoraptor on top of the Lockwood Manor. Anyway, anything else on 68 you want to get to before we get heavy for the day? Uh, I think we're good. Alright, lovely. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. 
Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven. Get me on that island. You desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! Take the phone to mommy! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.